Hey everyone, it's Oscar here. Just a quick note about the content on the feed this week. We have got folks from SB Nation in Miami ready to cover the Super Bowl for you. And that includes Kyle Posey, as well as some other folks who are going to be bringing you great content from Miami. So you'll see some of those episodes pop up in the feed. Definitely give them a listen as you'll get a good behind the scenes view of what's going on in Miami. So enjoy the additional content. Enjoy the Super Bowl preview. And let's go. Welcome to this week's edition of the NinersNation.com Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week it is a Super Bowl preview. And as Bill Walsh once said, we are champions today, but we've got one more to go. And with me this week, fresh off of his pre-pod puke and wall headbutt, it's David Newman. Please explain. (laughs) So George Kittle, apparently, has a pregame ritual where he pukes after warm-ups before every game. And then puts on his helmet and hits his head against a wall. Dude, like, stop doing that. I don't know. Nothing says I'm ready for game time, like losing a couple pounds in a concussion. Yeah, like, I've never understood the throw-up thing, really. I just have never had, like, even when I uh, would have, like, nerves or something like that before a game or... Like, I, I just never, like, had the urge to throw up. I can't Agreed. relate to that feeling at I'm all. firm anti-vom. Like, yeah. firm anti-vom. Like, under almost any circumstance. Just about, yeah. yeah. Oftentimes to my own peril. Other than, you know, when I'm hashtag about to throw up. But- that is the one <laughs> clear exception. Oh, man. I had forgotten. I just forgotten that that existed and i'm glad you brought that back into my universe right in this moment dude we're about to we're about to live the dream and have about to throw up onesies we are matching about to throw up onesies those are absolutely gonna get uh here in the mail but it's it's a super bowl preview it is uh it's coming to you a day early we're recording on tuesday night to hopefully give you a bit more time to get this preview through your ear holes but we're gonna spend some time talking about the chiefs as a team both on offense and defense Talk a little about how a little bit about how you should attack the Chiefs, how the Niners are going to win this game. Uh, give you some key stats. Uh, talk about how the game's going to play out, and then with the lightning round, it's going to be a jam-packed episode that we spent a lot of time thinking about over the weekend, a lot of time putting into the agenda, and hopefully, uh, it's going to be a good show this week because it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun to get back to that game and hopefully win it. So, let's get to the first segment, David. But who are the chefs? Name that commercial. Oh, man. I know this, but I, I don't know it well enough. This to, is going to set up real well for the lightning round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is just a quick little preview of how that's going to go. Like, oh, that sounds familiar, but I don't know. All right, fine. I'll ruin all the mystery and tell you. It was a Snickers oh, commercial. Oh, right. Okay. I remember this. Yeah. All right. It's all coming back now. Yep. That's all it took. A little memory jog. All right. So let's get to the oh, offense. Gosh. So Andy Reid. Basically, he's a West Coast offense disciple who's distilled his offense into his purest form through progressive thinking because this Andy Reid offense is pretty ridiculous. So, of course, Andy Reid coaches under Mike Holmgren in Green Bay. Holmgren is a West Coast disciple. He learns at the foot of Bill Walsh and eventually becomes the offensive coordinator. He's with the Niners from from 86 to 91 as the quarterback's coach first and then the offensive coordinator. Andy Reid learns under Holmgren in Green Bay and then eventually goes to Philadelphia as a head coach uh, and spends 14 years in Philadelphia. At the end of his time in Philadelphia, his offense gets a little stale. Marty Morningwig is kind of running everything. Reed is kind of, you know, he's like not necessarily quasi-checked out, but, you know, 14 years doing anything is a long time. Uh, And then he ends up leaving Philadelphia. He goes to Kansas City and starts to add some of the gimmicks that what we now what we now just call offense uh but back then were gimmicks (laughs) that uh, are now considered really staples of the game and all he did was he added those those gimmicks that window dressing to core west coast offensive concepts matt nagy said that really what he did was he took the core concept of the west coast offense and basically dressed it up with things like shotgun snaps jet sweeps options rpos toss read shovels all sorts of stuff he even hired chris alt for a bit to, to teach him how to run the pistol formation back when Kaepernick was kind of running the league there. So ultimately, he has molded his offense into something where he can take advantage of his personnel and really put the best offense out on the field. And it's an offense that's taken you know years and years to develop and is now with Mahomes at the peak of the at the peak of its game. 
Right, which is the the thing that you know we've we've talked about a lot, but it's what all good offensive coaches, or I mean, really all all uh, coaches in general, but I think you know, especially looking through the offensive lens here, like it, it's just about putting your guys in the best possible position to succeed, right? And you heard him talk about it a little bit this week, where it's like, um, you know, we we have these guys coming in who at the college level are essentially playing a different game than what we had been playing at the NFL level. So we want to take some things that they're familiar with, you know, whether that's formations, motions, um, play concepts, like whatever it may be, like take some things that they're already familiar with and find ways to adapt that into what you already do. And I think that's the key thing that that you look for with any good coach. They're not so stubborn that they're just kind of stuck in a way of like, this is what we do. I'm going to do this no matter what. I don't care what you came from. You're going to learn how to do it my way. It needs to be this adaptive, let's make guys comfortable so they don't have to think about things as much. And that's exactly what he said. He's got a quote in The Athletic where he says, quote, so these kids are coming out of college now and offensively are throwing the ball like crazy, Reed said. And so we're utilizing that from whatever formations might be familiar to them to try to give them an opportunity. I mean, that's exactly that. That's directly from Andy Reed's mouth, basically saying like, yeah, instead of trying to force a kid to take a snap under center, if he's used to taking a shotgun snap, Let's just go ahead and put in some shotgun. Yeah. Sounds super basic. But the other thing I think that Andy Reid's done is he's turned himself into the head coach play caller that now teams really want because it's remain it's allowed him to remain consistent with his offense even as people have left. I mean, Matt Nagy's left. Doug Peterson's left. And he didn't always call the plays in Philadelphia. Now he's calling the plays in Philly. And even though he has offensive coordinators, that system has maintained itself at the top because he's turned himself into the thing that now teams want, which is that head coach play caller. Absolutely. It's so important. Um, you know, I know when we were back, it's been a few off seasons now since we were looking at coaches again. Um, but when we were talking about, you know, bringing Shanahan in and like that was always something that was very appealing because, yeah, like it's what NFL teams want right now. Offensive football is so important and so key to driving your success. It's more consistent year to year. So anything that you can do to kind of elevate that level of success that that you have year to year offensively um, is is obviously something that you want to take very seriously and look at. And I think it starts with having not only the right quarterback, but that offensive minded head coach that can really steady the ship and kind of keep that that system in place, you know, even as guys come and go. So what are the tendencies for the Chiefs offense? What are the things they like to do, the things the Niners should be prepared for? Well, about 60% of their snaps, 58.8 to be exact, are from 11 personnel. That's just north of league average. But they've got a 72.8% pass rate on first half early downs, which is by far the highest in the NFL. They're, They're slinging the ball. They're throwing it. They're going to throw it a lot. And they're doing it on early downs, which is important. They're not running and getting behind the sticks. They're throwing it and maximizing their yards early, which keeps them on schedule. One of the, the, the nuggets of football that like is always in the back of my mind at all times is something that Brian Billick said in his creating an offensive game plan book, which is, you know, a lot of times you focus on the third down stat and what do offenses do on third down? And he's like, well, the best offenses don't ever get to third down. They get first downs by and large on first and second down. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what the Chiefs do by passing the ball at such a high rate. They run play action on 31.6% of plays. That's fifth in the NFL. And they use motion, the fourth most or the fourth highest in the league. Uh, and lastly, they are indeed a heavy RPO team. They run RPOs at just about 19% of the time, which is tops in the NFL. In short, they do all of the things that smart offensive teams do. Right. And I think those last two in particular focus on the bit about how Reed has been willing to adapt. Right. So you see um, the heavy RPO usage, which, you know, not all offenses, even at the NFL now, have, have still even though it's more prevalent than it was a few years ago, like it's not something that that every team um, uses a ton of like the 49ers are one of those teams that they mix it in. They have like a, they have a couple of them that they kind of go to, but like it's a minimal part of what they do offensively. Um, so a, a team like the chiefs being at the top of the NFL, using them on almost 20% of their pass plays, like that's a pretty big departure from what most of the league is still doing there. And then you look at the, the motion shift aspect, you know, this is something that of course, 49ers fans are very familiar with. Nobody does that more than the 49ers, but the chiefs are another very good team at using motion, um, using those shifts to be able to create advantages for their offense. 
They do love to attack the field with vertical routes because, of course, they have a lot of team speed. Crossers across the middle of the field will be at a premium for the 49ers in order to stop. That's what the the Chiefs are going to do. They're basically going to line up and say, well, we've got really, really fast dudes. Try to stop one of them. Uh, And Mahomes can basically launch the ball to any one of those receivers, (laughs) whether it be Watkins or Hill uh, or Demarcus Robinson or whomever's running down the field. So they don't run the ball often. But when they do, it's basically a zone run. Their run game is not super imaginative. It's a lot of outside, inside zone. Um, but they don't really need to rely on the run a whole hell of a lot. This is very much a pass-first team, and that's where they're going to make their money. I think if you look at key players, the, the good ones on offense, Mahomes, obviously, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. Uh, if you're looking for some players where maybe they need an upgrade, it's really along the offensive line. It's Austin Ryder uh, and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, uh, which is a hell of a name. I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> I'm not sure I got it right, but I'm going to go with it. We'll go with it. it. Yeah, let's go with it. Um, And so that, in a nutshell, is the Chiefs offense. Uh, Now, on defense, you've got good old Steve Spagnuolo, who's their defensive coordinator. Uh, He goes back to Andy Reid, back to the Philadelphia days where he learned how to to really like get his philosophy down into Jim Johnson, who was, of course, very, very uh, a good defensive coordinator there for Philly, came to consult for the Chiefs at the end of last year. And then they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's your job. Yeah, I think when you look at what they've done, you know, defensively with with him, uh, you know, especially from a coverage standpoint, um, they're really one of the more varied teams in the NFL in terms of mixing up their coverages, right? They they don't have um, one that really stands out as like a clear base coverage, uh, you know, of the kind of broader buckets that we focus on at PFF and categorizing coverages, right? Just kind of the zero, one, two, three, four, six. Um, with a few other kind of specialty ones mixed in, um, they don't use any of those more than 20% of the time. So it's it's not like the 49ers who, even though they've become more diverse, are still like they have their one or two that are, that are a lot more dominant than others that they really lean on. That's not what you see from this Chiefs defense. They they change it up a lot. They'll play man and zone, um, you know, one high, two high. So they they really are very varied from that standpoint. Now, of course, the one area that you're looking at that defense where you're thinking, you know what, this isn't one of their strengths is defending the run. They're the third worst at defending the run based on expected points allowed per play. So their defense is vulnerable. And while they have played better as of late, they are still managing through some injuries. You think of the loss of safety Juan Thornhill in week 17. That's caused a bit of a reshuffling in their defensive secondary, which wasn't a super solid defensive secondary to begin with. Effectively, Thornhill's a safety. And so now you've got their slot corner, Kendall Fuller, who is moving from slot corner to safety. Rashad Fenton has come in and played better at that slot position than Kendall Fuller. So he really took that job from him. And now they've moved Fuller to safety with the injury to Thornhill. Tyron Matthew is playing nickel kind of all over the place. He's playing wherever he needs to play because Spagnolo said that that was the player he wanted to sign as a free agent to make his defense go. And then at the corner positions, uh, you've got some questionable players there, namely Brashard Breland, uh, who's just not good at covering <laughs> wide receivers. And so, yes, absolutely they are bad at defending the run, but they're still vulnerable the the I think the narrative around the Chiefs defense is that they're playing better or they're not as they're not as bad as one would think. It's like, yeah, they're not as bad as last year, but doesn't yeah. mean they're necessarily good. Right. It was a low bar to clear for sure. And I think it it is interesting because when you look at the way their defense, I think their pass defense as a whole um, is is it's a situation where they're the sum is bigger than than the individual parts. Right. Um, and, and you don't have a lot of guys individually when you look at them that are like, yeah, he's having a fantastic season. Um, you know, Matthew is kind of the one guy that you would probably single out among that group. But overall, as a coverage unit, um, it has been a, a much improved season for them. You know, they were awful last year. They were kind of the inverse. You know, when we, we talked about them a lot this offseason, an example of like a team that had maybe the best pass rush in the NFL but their coverage was so abysmal that it just didn't matter, right? The, the pass rush never had time to get home. Teams were getting the ball out quickly on them, and it was just a disaster for their defense. So that unit has, has improved quite a bit. 
Um, but yeah, when you start kind of like narrowing in on the specific players, it's hard to point to like more than Matthew as to why that's been. There are so many parallels between the Niners and the Chiefs, and, and we're going to talk about a few a little later in this show. But one of them is really that when you look at the Chiefs and the description of their season and how they've gotten here, really, you could have taken our description of the Niners and, and applied it to the Chiefs. At the beginning of the year, we said the offense for the Niners is going to be is going to be pretty good. You've got Kyle Shanahan. You've got a good quarterback. That's going to be fine. They're going to go as far as their defense can take them. And really, the same can be said of the Chiefs. Their offense is going to be fine. If their defense could get to league average, which is where they kind of ended up and where we thought the Niners could get to, then obviously it's going to bolster their chances of of winning that Super Bowl. Well, we had no way of knowing the Niners were going to have one of the best defenses in the (laughs) NFL. And of course, they've made it to the Super Bowl. But the Chiefs also have a defense that they've been able to rely on in key spots, even if it means they have to, you know, go down by 24 points on fluke plays or right. go down by 17 in order to, you know, kind of get the best offense that, that the chiefs can put out there. So, yeah. Um, you know, the, the complexion of the teams are, you know, very, very different. I think the narratives that you're going to hear coming into the super bowl is going to be a lot of strength on strength. It's going to be a lot of the Niners defense versus the chiefs offense, but this game is going to be so much more than that. And I think it's actually not going to come down to the defenses. I think it's going to be squarely on the offenses in both cases. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where we're going to start. Our next segment, which is really how do you attack the Chiefs? Um, because there have been some, there has been some success found against this team. So we went through and we tried to find it, uh, <laughs> and now let's see if the Niners can replicate it. And ultimately, the first question you've got to ask yourself here is: Can the 49ers get to 30 points? Right. So again, you you look at that Chiefs defense, um, and again, while they've been improved, they still definitely aren't a unit that's coming into this game where you're worried about them shutting down. And so the big concern, right, is we're going to get to um, in, in a minute is really more the Chiefs offense, right? That's what's driving this entire train. You know that they're going to put up points. For, so for the 49ers perspective, they need to be able to match that. And, and right now, kind of the magic number for for teams, you know, that are at least competing really close with the Chiefs um, or potentially beating them it's really about kind of getting around 30 points. You know that you're going to have to at least clear that because even as good as, as the 49ers defense has been, it, it just really hasn't mattered, right? For, for teams playing the Chiefs, like they're kind of just going to roll and do what they do and and they're going to get points on the board, right? Even against the best defenses in the league. And so you have to have an offense that can keep up with them if you have any chance. So that's where it starts. Yeah, you basically don't want to be the Bron- the Broncos or the Bears. Uh, but other than that, you basically oh, look, you look at the teams that you uh, that have actually had some success against the Chiefs, the Titans, the Packers, and the Texans. What lessons can you take from those teams that have been able to put up a bunch of points on the the Chiefs defense? Well, first of all, you look at the Packers. They had the highest EPA per play against the Chiefs, and there were a couple of takeaways. The complexion of how they got there was, in some cases, very different than what the Niners do. A couple of them were just ridiculous bombs to Devontae Adams. You're probably not going to see a ton of that from Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners. But what you will see are vertical routes to the running back. What you will see are runs to the edge on jet sweep tap passes um, or in the run game some runs to the weak side zone and, and that's where I think the the, the teams that have found success are, that do things that the Niners do really get to the edge in the run game or really attack the middle of the field with vertical routes that can be something the Niners can replicate to attack that Chiefs defense and find some success right and I think the when, when you look at it from the 49ers offense perspective and like what they're going to be able to do schematically I don't know that they're going to have a lot of limitations there. Like, I, I really think that they will be able to go and do kind of what they want to do offensively. Um, you know, I think you, you look at the Chiefs' recent performance against the Titans, and a lot of people are making a big deal about, you know, the effort that they had against Derrick Henry. And I, and I think when you look at just kind of those carries and what happened in that game, it wasn't like there, there was some huge departure, you know, where they were clearly selling out and, and looking to defend the run and, and really load up the box with a bunch of guys like, yeah, they would drop a safety down. But a lot of times that was because the Titans, you know, much like the 49ers do, they use some heavy personnel groupings. When you pack more players into the box as an offense, the defense is naturally going to pack some more guys in there to be able to match that. So it wasn't them just doing eight in the box to have eight in the box kind of no matter what. It was largely just kind of matching, um, you know, what the Titans were doing offensively. And and from a front standpoint, you know, they're just kind of in their basic, you know, under over fronts. They weren't doing anything crazy there to be able to sell out. So I, I don't think that there was anything there that you would point to that like, 
oh, this was the thing that they decided to do to be able to stop that run game. Like, this is something we should expect. Like, they, they kind of were just, you know, they had a good game. And, like, that's going to happen sometimes. You're going to have some missteps from the Titans that are in there as well. Um, and, and so I don't know that those things are really going to be all that applicable to this matchup. Not only that, but I think that the run game the Niners present is very different than the run game the Titans present. The, yeah. the Titans very much rely on Derrick Henry being Derrick Henry. And the Niners are not just going to rely on their running backs, but in fact, they're going to rely on their scheme. They're going to rely on motion and they're going to rely on the performance of their offensive line. Uh, and this is where you've got players like Ben Garland, who's had a, a two game stretch that's been very, very good in the run game. You've got Staley, you've got Tomlinson. This is where the Niners are going to win with blocking angles and with scheme. The the types of runs that Shanahan is capable of unloading on a defense is not just inside zone, outside zone. I mean, we've talked about the different runs that the Niners uh, kind of deployed on the Packers last week. And so when you're looking at a, at a defense who's got to prepare for stuff, it's not just, okay, just be gap sound or exchange some gaps or do something like that. It's like, okay, we've got to prepare for a lot of things. And so it's a fundamentally different run game that Shanahan's going to bring to the table against a Chiefs defense that doesn't do super well against the run. So I do think they'll be able to find some success in the run game. Yeah. Um, but the, the game is not going to be another, you know, 10 pass example from Jimmy Garoppolo no. where it's like, yeah, it, Garoppolo's going to have to throw. And when he does throw, he loves to throw to the middle of the field. And the Chiefs are just middle of the pack at defending the middle of the field. They've got a 58.6, uh, wow, already. Uh, we've got a 58.6% success rate based on EPA per play, um, but they have some liabilities in coverage. Shanahan loves to attack linebackers, and Damian Wilson and Anthony Hitchens are not great in coverage. Not most linebackers are, or not a lot of linebackers are. Um, yeah. And Wilson and Hitchens are in the mold of linebackers that aren't good at this stuff. Uh, and that's exactly where Shanahan and Garoppolo are likely to target. Yeah, I, I mean, those middle of the field, the second level defenders are always the guys who are in the most trouble when you're playing the 49ers, right? They're, they're being pulled in a million different directions. You know, they have to be uh, aware of all the different motions that are going on because all of a sudden you start sleeping on motion, right? That's when Debo gets an end around for 20 yards and um, you have the play action that you have to worry about. So you have to be able to to come up and, and get to your gap assignment in the run game or as we just mentioned, you know, all the problems that they present there, you're going to have issues if you have guys that are like jumping out of their gaps and aren't where they're supposed to be there. So you're, you're worried about coming up for that. And all of these things are just pulling them away from ultimately their coverage responsibility in the middle of the field. And, and that's what Shanahan loves to attack, you know, schematically. That's where Jimmy likes to throw the ball. Um, you know, he really does not like to throw the ball outside, outside the numbers, um, it's just not what his comfort zone is. It's not what this offense tries to do. So those guys there, um, they're going to have some good matchups. You know, I think, um, the linebackers specifically are going to be guys that you can target. I think the one matchup that becomes interesting, uh, is you you would expect them to try to get Matthew on George Kittle as much as humanly possible. Um, he's their best shot, I think at, at being able to cover him, but he's also, you know, Tiny, relatively to, little to George Kittle. Like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call it fun size. Sure. You know, as a couple of fun size people ourselves, <laughs> you know, it's nothing, nothing against Tyron Matthew here. There's just some physics issues because George Kittle is not fun size. Yeah. George Kittle's going to spot. He might think he's fun size. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. A different kind of fun. Uh, Kittle can <laughs> spot him a labrum. He's like, here, here, have this and, and, and still dunk on him. Yeah. Now, of course, the narrative coming into this is that Jimmy Garoppolo is just a passenger on this offensive train, that Shanahan's trying to hide him and that it's that the Niners are winning in spite of Jimmy and not because of Jimmy. Is that the case? And will we see Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball in this game? So I don't think it's completely fair, right? I think you're seeing a lot of people go that direction. And then you have a few others that are like kind of going maybe a little bit too far the opposite direction where they're like, you know, talking about um, Garoppolo like he's a top five quarterback or something this season. And so I don't think, you know, either of those are totally true. I think both of them have been true at times this season. That's kind of been the story with Garoppolo for the entire uh, season is, is this kind of roller coaster of performance, right? Some weeks... Uh, he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in football. And then other weeks, like he's playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in football. Right? So you're telling me that internet discussions lack nuance. This is a shock to me. It's wild. I this know. is a shock. It's really hard. Of all the stuff that we're going to talk about today, that might be the toughest one to wrap your mind around, but hit, you'd bear with us here. Hit him with some nuance. 
do it. <laughs> hard hitting nuance. Hard hitting nuance. No, I think like at the the reality is uh, as it is in most cases, it's somewhere in the middle, right? So I, I think it is fair to say that. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't carrying the 49ers offense to the same degree that Patrick Mahomes is carrying the Chiefs offense, right? Like those those can be different things. But saying that doesn't mean that Jimmy Garoppolo has been bad. You know, like it, he can be kind of in the middle there. I think he the, the way he's performed this season has been kind of the model of that like quarterback who is. He's kind of a mid-tier guy, you know, a, a little bit above average, is capable of some games where he can look lights out but just isn't doing it consistently, right? So I, I think the the key thing, and, and this is one of the things um, that like to highlight, like as far as, you know, offensive success versus how much that quarterback is driving it, right? Um, we talk a lot about EPA per play. And, and EPA per play is essentially just, it's a better way to look at offensive success than just like yards. Best, best the way I've heard it described is it is yards per attempt, right, or per play mm-hmm. adjusted for down and distance. So it adds some importance about where it is that you are in terms of down. And it just puts it in the parlance of points. Right. It's a lot of the same things, the you know, reasons that we like DVOA and, and that we've used that forever. Um, it's just put on a different scale, right? And it's, it's measuring a little bit slightly different thing, but it's you're adjusting for those bits of context, right? And so that is kind of a good measure of just overall, how is your offense performing? And what we see for the 49ers is their offense is performing very well, right? When you look at EPA per play on passing plays, they're fourth in the NFL. That passing offense is performing at a high level. But when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's contribution specifically to that, I think, you know, that's where, of course, like I'm going to lean on PFF great and looking at what is his specific contribution to the success of those plays, right? And so when you see uh, those largely match up like they do in the case of Mahomes and the Chiefs, you can assume that the quarterback play is largely driving that success. When you see a larger discrepancy, which is what is the case with the 49ers, again, fourth in EPA per play, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is 12th or 13th in PFF passing grade. So that discrepancy says that, yes, Garoppolo is playing well, but he's also getting a lot of help from scheme, from supporting cast. And these are all things that, like, if you've been watching 49ers games, you know are true, right? You know that Kittle and Debo and Sanders are monsters after the catch. You know that Shanahan is getting guys open. It's not a slight to say that he's getting this help. That's just how they found their success. And to me, that's not a bad thing. To me, the marriage between the, the marriage between scheme and coach and quarterback is one that every great quarterback has used in some way, shape, or form to propel themselves to success. I mean, you, you look at Steve Young, you look at Joe Montana, those were players that absolutely benefited from having a system that took advantage of their strengths. There are very rare, it, it is very rare that a quarterback is going to transcend systems. You can't bank on that. And while you want that, not every team's going to have that. And, I'd, and, and if you're not going to have that, if you're not going to have the Mahomes of the world, then yeah, absolutely. I want a head coach like Shanahan who's going to be able to get the yeah. most out of Jimmy Garoppolo because guess what? I'd much rather be sitting here saying, yeah, you know what? Don't care. He produces, right? He, he produces within the system and he needs to do that. There was a phrase that that we learned when we were in Scouting Academy when we were writing up the scouting reports, right? It's like, do you win with this player? Do you win because of this player? Do you win, you know? And there's different ways of saying like this player is good or not good. Yeah. Um, and and this and, and when you think of Jimmy Garoppolo, he's absolutely a player that you can win with. And yes. not all quarterbacks meet that description in the NFL. And yeah. and you look at his performance when he's got some weapons around him. Ever since the Niners traded for for Emmanuel Sanders, he's had a top ten PFF grade. And thanks to George Shahuri at the PFF forecast for that little nugget. But he's played well when he's got weapons around him. And that's exactly what you need. And so when we think of like, is Jimmy Garoppolo a passenger? No, not entirely. Now, does he need to be Mahomes? No, not entirely. He does not need to be that to, for the Niners to win this game. Right. And and it's likely like you shouldn't expect that, right? Going into it. Like the the formula again for success is is a whole cohesive unit offensively that's all working together, right? It's Garoppolo. Yes, he needs to be able to do his part. You know, there's some things that we'll bring up a little bit later, you know, things that he needs to avoid. And he needs to be able to to not be a liability in this game. 
but he doesn't need to go out there and carry the team, right? He needs to be able to facilitate, get the ball to the playmakers that they have. We know that Shanahan's going to get guys open, let them do their thing after the catch. Like that's when this offense is functioning at a super high level. Yeah. And, and I think that to me, that means that we also need aggressive Shanahan in this game because you can't put Jimmy Garoppolo in a position where he's not going to be able to maximize points. And that means that Shanahan can't settle for field goals. He needs to go forward on fourth downs. And I think this is going to be a game where he's going to have to understand, or he will understand, that the Niners are going to have to put up points. And he tends to get more aggressive when he faces teams where he knows he has to score. You think of the New Orleans game, of course, that's going to be the big one. But even in the Arizona games where they went down a little bit, they knew they had to score some points, he got a bit more aggressive. Um, And so I do think you're going to see a little bit of the aggressive Shanahan in this game. Yeah, I, I mean, you certainly hope so. It, it is weird how he seems to tailor his aggressiveness to the opponent. Not maybe the most ideal strategy that I would look for, but hey, like you, you do at least want somebody who's going to go out there and be aggressive right. when it matters the most, right? When you you most need it. And I think, yeah, absolutely again against a team that is um, you know, evenly matched, that that is very talented, that you know is going to put up points in a game where like, hey, this is the last one, right? And and he knows like what it's like to get there and to not come out as the victor. Like you, 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 it would be very surprising if you came away from this game thinking that man, Shanahan wishes he could have had some of those back. You feel like he's going to go and leave it out all out there. Yeah. Ultimately, I think this is a game on offense where the Niners can get to 30 points. I think the chiefs defense is going to be, or try to do some things to mix up their coverages and confuse Garoppolo. I do think that he will be able to eat in the middle of the field. And I think that the Niners run game is going to be able to, to keep them on schedule in this game. It's going to force Spagnuolo, Spagnuolo to play single high. And we know that Jimmy performs better against single high defenses. So overall, I don't think that the issue is going to be the 49ers offense. The The real concern here is with <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. But before we get into that, let's take just a brief break to hear from our sponsors. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. That's the tagline for one Mr. Patrick Mahomes because really teams have done a good job of really limiting them. Um, But really the best play that teams have is accidental dislocation of a kneecap. (laughs) The the Chiefs are second in EPA per play on offense. They're first on pass plays by a pretty wide margin. You look at their overall PFF grade. That's they have the sixth total PFF grade uh, on offense. And so basically, how the hell do you slow them down? Because if the Niners scored 30, but the Chiefs scored 35, this whole thing's moot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to even think like like establishing what is slowing them down, right? Like health, it might seem like in some games, like holding them to 35 might be slowing them down a little bit. I mean, it, it is uh, a little absurd, like how effective this offense has been with Mahomes. And, and just how explosive they are. And, and we've seen it really highlighted in, in these playoff games, right, where they uh, are down early and then it's it's like it never even happened. You know, by the time halftime rolls around, you forget that they were down by multiple scores. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of weird. I don't know that there's necessarily any sort of foolproof plan that's going to, you know, make sure that you get the worst version of, of the Chiefs in this offense. I think the thing that... Uh, is probably most consistently been attempted and, and has had some success, I, I would say, uh, is teams playing a lot of man coverage, right? I think that you look at um, the Patriots as a prime example of a team that that came against them, played a lot of man coverage, um, you know, showed them some different things. And, and that was, uh, that's largely kind of been the case throughout the season. They've faced the second highest percentage of cover one of any offense this season. Um, so it, it is something that teams are are kind of identifying as like, hey, this is our our chance. And I think part of it comes down to a lot of the same things we talk about the 49ers offense, where if you play zone, you're screwed, right? Just from kind of a sense of like how we design things offensively. Uh, a lot of the things we talk about with Shanahan apply to Reed as well in this regard, right? Like if you if you just sit back and play in zone, they're going to find the weaknesses in your zone, right? And so what teams are kind of thinking and opting to do is like, Hey, our our chance, our best chance is to just like at least make sure that we've got a guy around all of their weapons and and try to go that route. 
force maybe Mahomes into some more tighter window throws and, and like hope he misses. And that's kind of been the general strategy. Uh, and, and that's, I think, the thing when you look at how he performs, um, you know, playing man coverage as opposed to zone coverage, there is a fairly noticeable dip against man coverage teams um, or when he when he's seen man coverage on there. But it's still you're t- you're talking about, you know, taking uh, an elite player and bringing him down to like above average. Hey, man, I'll take that. Right. I'll take that 100%. Yeah. You, you look at two games that we sp- that we paid real close attention to, and one was the game against New England, where they seemed to be able to perform well against that Chiefs offense. And I think if you're looking at the New England game plan and you're thinking to yourself, well, that may be something that, that Salah will lean on, I think Salah's going to have to change his stripes a bit and come in with a different game plan than really he's had all year in order to emulate that New England model. First of all, it's just going to be the amount of man that he's going to that he's going to need to play in order to mimic that type of of a game plan. I don't think it's something that Salah is really going to do. The Niners are predominantly a zone team, and while they do play man at times, that and they have, and they'll usually do it behind some kind of a blitz. They like to do it in spots. They pick it selectively, but by and large, they're going to be a, a zone team. The other thing that you saw the the New England Patriots do that the Niners don't do is bracket coverage, like true double teams. Yeah. It's something that New England does, and and generally it's in the philosophy of we're going to take your best player away or we're going to take the best thing that you do away. That's not something the Niners do. They've yeah. done it a few times. They did it against Julio Jones. Uh, That's and, it. That's and, really like the only time that they've shown yeah. it. And I, and I think the the important key here too is like, true. we're talking like true double teams, which is a little bit different. Now, not a lot of teams play... Uh, you know, get true bracket coverage on a receiver, right? You hear a lot of times like, they'll be like, oh, they're doubling, you know, star wide receiver X, you know, because they got a corner underneath them and they got a, a safety over the top. I and mean, it's like, kind of like that. That's the idea, right? Is we want to kind of have uh, multiple guys around this receiver aware of him, but they're not like, they're not following that receiver no matter what, right? If multiple receivers run to that side of the field, like they're going to handle those receivers based on the distribution and who's coming into their zones. They're not going to be all eyes on, um, you know, let's say Tyree kill right in, in this case, a a true double team is where that is those players. That is their responsibility, right? We're going to like the most common one is, is probably going to be bracket where we're going to play inside out on a guy, yeah, one guy with outside leverage, one guy with inside leverage so that we're ready to go, you know, no matter where he ends up breaking on that. It's just not something that a lot of teams have in their arsenal and that go to consistently. New England has been one of the teams that, that historically does a lot of that. They do a lot more of it than basically any team in the NFL. Um, the chiefs funny enough have actually done a good amount of that. I would expect to see some of it on George Kittle in this game. Um, but yeah, that would really break from what the 49ers have done, right? Going with those strategies. So I think it, it is an interesting question of, do you go with the the option that is maybe against what you've done that, that has gotten you to this point that has had some success against this team? Or do you just hope that like, okay, we're going to roll with what we've done, what, what's brought us to this point, and, and hope that we can do this thing better than the other teams have done it? Now, of course, the other game and the other team that we noticed that had a modicum of success against the Chiefs is going to be the Chargers. And if you look at the Chargers now, it gets a little bit more interesting because, of course, they play a similar defensive structure to the Niners. Now, again, we've talked about the different flavors of these teams, but they play primarily a cover three system. They've had some success against the Chiefs. And so the question then becomes, how were they able to slow down the Chiefs with the same kind of defensive structure that the Niners employ? And when you look at that week 17 game against the Chargers, well, I mean, the the Chiefs still scored like 31 points and they still won the game. So I don't know that they necessarily slowed them down a whole hell of a lot. I think when you look at what the Niners defense has to do is they have to do a lot of what they did in the championship game, which was play really sound defense and put yourself in a position to succeed because there are some mistakes that are made by Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. It doesn't happen often, but if it does, you want to put yourself in a position to be able to capitalize. And so there's that's why it's like you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them, right? You're, you're not going to be able to, to keep them to, you know, like 19 points like I think the Colts did because guess what? Mahomes wasn't playing that game. <laughs> so that, that's not going to happen this week. And so ultimately, you really got to think about just playing sound defense, putting yourself in a position to succeed and not getting beat. Right. I, th- I think it comes back to like, you know, their preparation 
for this game needs to be on point defensively, right? Like it really is about, like we mentioned last week, you know, one of the huge things that's changed from this defense from last season to this season is just the fact that like guys are where they're supposed to be and they're, they're, they're executing their assignments as they're supposed to, right? You, You don't have the same sort of huge bus on the back end, um, where you have receivers that are running free. That's kind of exactly what the Chiefs are trying to create with a lot of what they do offensively, right? A lot of the motion, um, the formation shifts. What happens is whenever, you know, a guy goes in motion, the defense has to be able to communicate how they're adjusting to that motion. You know, sometimes it might be checking out of the the call that they're in to a completely different coverage. Um, Sometimes it might just mean that a couple of guys switch assignments within the same coverage that they're playing. So however they've kind of talked about it and communicated it, they need to be able to get that across and, and get that stuff communicated so that everybody's on the same page before the ball gets snapped. And when that doesn't happen, and it, you have one guy that's that thinks that they're still in the original call, one guy that is is playing something different, that's when you get those breakdowns and, and have the guys running free. And so if they can just avoid it, right, if they're not going to uh, go with the approach and say like, okay, we're gonna change. We're not gonna change what we do. We're not gonna suddenly become a man coverage team and, and play man coverage. You know, sixty plus percent of the time, we're gonna play the coverages that we play, and and we're gonna trust that we can execute them. It's really gonna be making sure that they're prepared for for all the different adjustments that they're gonna see, making sure that they can communicate any of those changes and checks effectively, and and that's gonna give them the best chance to be in position and, and at least be nearby, you know, these receivers and, and have a chance to challenge them. So the better rivals research department is in my ear. I've got that little earpiece that you see on TV and they're yeah. telling me that, Oh yeah, by the way, Patrick Mahomes did play in week five, by the way, uh, against the Colts, but he had, that was after the ankle sprain. So he was not all of Mahomes. Right. Uh, and the Colts scored 19. The chiefs were held 13 points incidentally. Uh, and so the Colts won, but Better rivals research department coming in in the clutch here. <laughs> uh, I think the if you don't if you think about the game in 2018, one thing that was interesting was how Andy Reid really attacked the Niners with screens, and it, it was something that I was I was looking at a thread on Twitter, and I noticed that oftentimes he was attacking Robert Sala's defense when he was when he was uh, looking at Robert Sala's three by one adjustment. Basically, when you've got the corner playing man and you let that defensive end rush and get to the quarterback, you've got numbers now because your offensive line is not blocking anyone. Yeah. They get to the second level in the linebacker. You clear out the corner uh, on that go route, and now you've got a running back in space, maybe not against anyone. I think that's something the Niners defense is going to have to prepare for because that's at, that, that check is still a check in the Niners defense, and I'd be curious to see if Andy Reid begins to attack that check with screens. Yeah. And and I think it's something, again, this is the something that they should expect. You know, of course, I would hope that they, they're going to go back and they're going to watch that game and, and at least see there's probably not a ton, you know, that they're going to say that they're going to take away. But you obviously are going to watch it and see if you can pick up some things. Um, and I think, yeah, you, you just need to be prepared to have more than one check, you know, for a three by one. Right. So obviously yeah. you should hope that you have more than one adjustment there. Um, you know, one of the things that they've done a lot is play like quarters, you know, um, they play quarters a lot more in general this year. And so there's different checks within quarters that you can do against three by one. There's even stuff within the cover three that they do. You know, one of the things that we talked about, um, where you have the safety that drops down in kind of the high hook area last year as a way. So as a way to take that three, cause the problem in three by one that you're always kind of focused on is like, how do we stop this crosser from number three, right? Is kind of what a lot of teams want to be able to do out of that. Um, and so that's kind of why you make the adjustment to play man on the single receiver side is so that you can roll coverage to the trip side and be able to have enough guys there to defend kind of the common route combinations that you're going to see. And there, there are other ways to go about doing that. And so it's just a matter of them having some options, having multiple tools that they can go to depending on what they they're seeing as the game's going. Ultimately, though, where I think the Niners do have the upper hand is when it comes to getting their pass rushers against a weaker interior of the Chiefs defense. And and if the Niners are going to have some success, they're going to force Mahomes into either a mistake or kill drives with sacks. And that's going to come through, I think, the vulnerable middle of the field. Because you look at the tackles for the Chiefs, and they're they're pretty good. Mitchell Schwartz, good at football. Eric Fisher, not as good, but he's not terrible. But really, it's going to be in the interior of that line. And and if the Niners are going to run a lot of their stunts, which I think they can run effectively... They could get pressure up Mahomes, uh, or, or up Mahomes, Jesus, uh, 
through the middle, up the middle uh, to Mahomes. And and this is the benefit of playing zone on the back end. This is what killed Tennessee with Mahomes running. Whenever they tried to play man, all of a sudden, all the defenders' backs are to the quarterback. And he's like, cool, I'm running. Well, the Niners aren't going to have that problem because they are going to play more zone. So Mahomes isn't going to beat you with your legs. It's one of the benefits of playing zone. But I do think that it's going to be that defensive line that could tilt this game, get a couple of stops or force a mistake. And now you're talking about stealing a possession. And if the Niners offense is going to be clicking, now all of a sudden you see that path to victory. It's going to be interesting, too, to see how much they they go to that, right? How much they work on, uh, like, work the stunts and, and some of the different games up there uh, up front or how much they, they go to maybe a more conservative rush plan because Mahomes is, you know, basically Russell Wilson outside of the pocket, right? Like, uh, he, he's somebody that can beat you just as effectively within the pocket as he can out of it. Right. And so one of the things that you kind of become vulnerable to sometimes with the stunts and stuff like that is, is kind of losing that rush line integrity. And and it's easier for somebody to kind of, Oh, he got caught inside, couldn't get outside to contain on the stunt. Um, you know, something like that, that kind of gives those openings for him to go out and kind of make plays outside of structure. Uh, so I think that's another part that's like, yeah, you, you, you want that defensive line to be able to make an impact, but like how, what's the best way to do that against Mahomes? It's just like a, yet another problem that is hard to, to answer. I know that everyone is concerned about the Blake Bell revenge game storyline. It's going to be uh, all over yes. the news. The bell dozer is back. I know that's what everyone's going to be thinking about, but I, I do think D Ford is going to be able to, he's going to have some extra motivation this game. Uh, and, and he's probably, if, if I'm the Niners, I'm lining him up against a guard. Now, I'm not necessarily putting him on the edge for every single snap. Um, or you line him up at the end and you have him run a stunt. But I do think D4 is going to have some extra motivation. I would love for him to actually get like a sack, a strip sack, something, make an impact on the game. Yeah, do it. for sure. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but I think this game is going to come down to a couple of key items, though. And so let's talk a bit about the key stats that we think may tilt this game. And right off the top, I think you have to think about how Jimmy Garoppolo can't commit any self-inflicted wounds in order to continue to give the Niners a chance to win this game. Right. I, I think that's kind of the big thing when you you look at the bad Jimmy Garoppolo games, right? Um, that's the one thing we can't have. We can we, there, There's, a, I think, a path to victory. Obviously, if you get a good Jimmy Garoppolo game, I think there's a path to victory if you get an okay Jimmy Garoppolo game. But the Jimmy Garoppolo that that can't see linebackers and is like, you know, just trying to turn the ball over is a problem. Um, and I think that's one thing you cannot do is is kind of have those self-inflicted wounds and give this offense for the Chiefs extra possessions. When you look at when Jimmy has kind of made mistakes, right? So he has 21 turnover-worthy plays this season. So that's going to be either fumbles or throws where he is putting the ball in harm's way and, and could have, in theory, avoided that right? Avoided doing that. 12 of them have come while he's in rhythm in the pocket. So this is not uh, under pressure. This is not having the pass rush affect him. This isn't, he's had to hold on to the ball forever because of tight coverage. Like this is him throwing the ball in the natural rhythm of the offense. More than half of his turnover worthy plays have come in those situations. Um, And then when you, when he's made those turnover worthy plays, they haven't been so there's kind of varying degrees, right? When you start looking at some of those. So uh kind of a, a the most basic lower graded one of, of like a minus one grade, right? A little peek behind the curtain here. Though so that's usually gonna be an accuracy, right? So he sailed the route, overthrew it, picked off by the safety. That's gonna typically be kind of a minus one grade, right? So just usually an accuracy, something like that. The ones that get worse than that, when you get to the minus 1.5, minus 2 level, that's usually something, there's an extra level of egregiousness that comes with that, whether it's misreading the coverage, um, those are some of the fumbles in the pocket that he could have avoided, um, where he should have been securing the ball better, things like that, where it's kind of an extra just level of, of bad associated with it. 17 of his turnover-worthy plays have been of that variety. So when he screws up, he screws up bad. And he makes some really bad decisions with the ball. That's kind of been his MO this year. Um, And and so I think avoiding those is is absolutely key if they have any shot of of kind of winning this game. Now, for me, I think it's going to come down to explosive plays. 
And the story of the game is going to be whether or not the Niners can limit the Chiefs' explosive plays. But I actually think it's the other way around. I think it's the ability of the Niners' offense to continue to get explosive plays. The 49ers lead the league in passes longer than 15 yards. They do so on 16.3% of their passes. And they're second in the NFL this year in runs over 10 yards. Just ask the Packers. The Chiefs are sixth in explosive plays allowed at 11.9%. So that's pretty good, right? Uh, But the Chiefs are one of the worst teams in the league at allowing yards after the catch. And that's exactly what the Niners do incredibly well. Debo Samuel is going to break some tackles. George Kittle is going to carry some defenders. And ultimately, I think it's going to be the Niners getting those explosive plays, continuing to get those chunk plays against a vulnerable Chiefs defense that could tilt this game. On defense, the Niners lead the league in explosive passes allowed at 9.4%. They're the only team under 10%. And yes, the Chiefs rank sixth in explosive passive plays. That's going to be something to watch, whether they can limit explosives. But I think the key really for the Niners offense is going to be whether or not they can continue to get those big chunk plays, because if they can, that is the path to victory for the 49ers. Yeah, it's so big to be able to generate those for your offense. And it's weird. Like, honestly, I didn't realize like you, you know, watching the games, obviously they've had a lot of big plays. Um, It just doesn't seem because of the way they generate them. It doesn't always feel like they're doing that at a rate that's like the highest in the league, right? Because it just looks a little bit different than what you see commonly from somebody like the Chiefs, right? Where it's, it's very obvious when Mahomes chucks the ball 50 yards downfield to Tyree kill that like, wow, that's an explosive play. I, I remember that. It's less uh, notable sometimes or like doesn't stick with you as much when it's a, a seven yard throw that Debo catches on a slant and takes for 20 yards. Right. It just it looks a little bit different, but they create those plays in both phases um, at, again, a higher rate than anybody in the league. So how does this game play out? What do you think the complexion of this game is going to be? Is it going to be more like the, you know, 10 to 3 snooze fest that we had last year? (laughs) Is this going to be a barn burner like the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl where it's just, holy hell, they're just combined for 60 points and and it's it's nuts. Um, What do you think this game looks and feels like? I think there's going to be a lot of points. Um, I I would be surprised if either offense really meets a ton of resistance. Like I I think largely each offense is going to be able to kind of go in and do what they want to do. From a game script standpoint, what's kind of interesting is so like the, the best way that that's played out for the 49ers, right. Is they get out to an early lead and everything falls into place for them, right? Everything that the, the way that they've built their team is very much a team that is, is excellent when playing with the lead, right? They're going to lean on the ground game to kind of, shorten the rest of the game and bleed that clock. They've got a defense that has a very good pass defense. They've that pass rush can pin its ears back, right? They've got good coverage players to be able to, to hold up on the back end now. And and so everything there kind of aligns when they're playing with a lead. Um, however, that also is kind of true for the chiefs as far as them playing from behind, right? That everything kind of falls into line for them when they're playing from behind. They, they're at their most aggressive they're basically completely abandoning the run and putting it all in Mahomes' hands. Um, and, and there's kind of been a tendency for them to, when they play for a lead, with a lead, to get more conservative and kind of play things safer a little bit. And so it's interesting that, like, what has been the game script that has worked best for the 49ers for most of the season may not actually be the game script that is best in this specific matchup. Yeah, that was an article from Kevin Cole on PFF today that showed how how exactly the Chiefs begin to take their foot off the gas pedal once yeah. they get ahead. And this, I think, the, the, the most telling thing for me is that there is still a path to victory if the Chiefs go ahead in terms of game script. It may be that the best game for the 49ers is one where they do have to turn into the aggressive version of themselves. Because if they do, they're going to put it on Jimmy. He's shown that he can perform. And and that's where the Chiefs begin to take their foot off of the gas pedal. In every game they've lost since 2018, since Mahomes became the quarterback, their win probability has eclipsed 62%, which means the game was not firmly in hand, but pretty closely in hand. And a couple of those were like over 80. Uh, I think two of them were over 90% at one point. And then they take their foot off the gas. They let the other team back in. So that even if the Chiefs go up early in this game, that might actually bode well for the 49ers because then the Chiefs take their foot off the gas pedal. They start to run the ball more. They get more conservative. And then you get aggressive Shanahan. And all of a sudden, you've got yourself one hell of a game. So whether or not the Niners end up 
leaning in game script and, and having the lead and trying to grind the game out, which is possible based on the lack of run defense from the Chiefs, or whether they get behind and are aggressive in order to come back and the Chiefs take their foot off the pedal. I think there are multiple paths for the Niners to win this game. Right. And I think the other thing, the last note on that that I'll add is like, that's also been a very favorable situation for Garoppolo. Actually, when you, um, you know, all the different splits and stuff that you can look at, uh, when you look at ones where, you know, that you could kind of almost identify as like clutch, right. Kind of playing from behind third downs fourth fourth quarter, whatever it may be. Um, but those kind of situations where, you know, essentially they, they can't afford to just lean on the run game and kind of bleed that clock, right. They need something from the passing game. They need to be able to come out, go down and, and get a score. He's been very good in those situations, like his, his passing grade in those situations, uh, is like among, like among the highest of his different splits, you know, that you look at. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, there's a lot of things about that scenario while very nerve wracking and maybe not ideal to watch. Like, uh, yeah, I, I think it does definitely make me feel better. Like if the chiefs jump out, you know, early and, and their offense is rolling and the 49ers get behind a little bit, I, I, very much don't think that the the game's over and it's just they can't come back. Like there's still a path to victory there. Absolutely. So it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a game that will, I think is going to be one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen in recent in recent years. And, and ultimately, I, I hope that the Niners end up winning and get that six Lombardi. It'll be a lot of fun to end the year because only one team ends happy. Uh, yeah. and, and hopefully it is indeed the 49ers because, man... Whew, it's been it's been a long time. I don't, I don't want to go through another another loss. Man. I really don't. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. Uh, but, you know, here we are. So the last segment of the show is going to be just a quick lightning round. We did one last week. Let's end the show with another one this week. So, David, we've got all of five minutes to get through it. Let's go. It is the 14th meeting between the 49ers and the Chiefs. David, who leads that series? Uh, Chiefs. It's the 49ers. They have won seven of them. Uh, so they have a one-game lead on the Chiefs. Oh, uh, this will be the 14th meeting. I was like, wait, correct. that's seven and seven. Yeah. Like, that's not a lead. This is the 14th meeting. Anyway, uh, dumb. Name, if there is a non-quarterback to win Super Bowl MVP, in your opinion, who is that player? George Kittle. Westgate released its prop. I'm glad. I'm really glad you didn't say Sammy Watkins, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but we're gonna no. get to, we're gonna get to plenty of Sammy Watkins content here in a minute. Westgate released its prop bets on Thursday, and some of them are really interesting. So I'm gonna ask you a couple of over unders, and you tell me whether you would take the over or the under. The prop bet is Sammy Watkins over or under four and a half receptions. Over. Uh, interestingly enough, Sammy Watkins has only received, has only gotten over four and a half receptions once this entire year. Um, so I'd probably bet the under. Sure. Uh, over under total of 49er sacks two and a half. Under. Oh, I would take the over. Interesting. Over under total number of Mahomes players. doesn't take Mahomes. Uh, he's not Peyton Manning level. I don't think quite, but he takes fewer take sacks sex. than just about anybody. In the There's an optimist deep down inside of me that wants to come out and you are tamping him down, David. Simmer the fuck down. Sorry about it. <laughs> over under total number of players to have a passing attempt. 2.5. Oh, God. Uh, I'll, I will, I'll go over on that. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Emmanuel Sanders throws, throws a pass at some point. Uh, all right, which jersey, home or away, has won the most Super Bowls in the last 15 years? I have no idea. Uh, I'll go away. That is correct. The away team has won 13 of the last 15 wow. Super Bowls, and the Niners, of course, are in their away jerseys. This Put it game. on the board. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, how long was the longest Super Bowl? Like in terms of time? Hours and minutes. Uh, five hours. Uh, it was four hours and 14 minutes. Bonus points if you know which game that was. Or name at least one of the teams. Uh, I feel like that's got to be... Was it uh, Patriots-Falcons? Nope. Overtime? Nope. Believe it or not, it was the Niners-Ravens due to the blackout. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. That's yep. exactly right. Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan owns a chocolate Labrador. That dog shares a name with the current 49er. What is that dog's name? Mm. Ebo? No, that would be a really that, good name for a dog. That's the it should be. It's George. Wow. That's, well, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> Apparently fun. not named after George Kittle, but whatever. We'll say Sure. Uh, 
And the last question here in the lightning round. Recently, Pro Football Focus went back and graded the 1994 game between the 49ers and the Chiefs, the duel between Steve Young and Joe Montana. Who was the 49ers' best offensive player in that game? Oh, the 49ers. I was thinking in the game when both were Chiefs players. <laughs> so now, now my mind. This locked. is a 49ers pod, David. I understand, but the way that it's phrased in the notes didn't wasn't didn't make that clear. Um, best offensive player was Brent Jones. No, Brent Jones. Like, look, I love Brent Jones as much as the next guy, but you're really going to come at me with Brent Jones? It was, I I thought it was, it wasn't an obvious one. My God, no. Uh, On offense, it was absolutely an obvious one. Oh, was it? Was it young? Yeah. 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 I thought, I, I, for some reason, I feel like I remember looking at the list and it was like two or three or something like that. But anyway. On defense, who was the best player? I have no idea. Merton Hanks. Merton Hanks. It was indeed Merton Hanks. He was the best player. Joe um, Montana and Derek Thomas were the two that were in my mind uh, that were actually like the highest. I'm pretty sure were the highest grade on each side of the ball. All right. Well, that about does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. You can always follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, where can they follow you? That'll be at PFF underscore David. Man, it's uh, it's been a long season. We are finally here at the end, and I'm excited to watch this game. I think it's going to be a great one. Uh, I'm going to do my best to try and remember this one. It's going to yeah, be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to really try to not end the night uh, completely blackout drunk with <laughs> a full glass of whiskey that doesn't, In hand. Hit, uh, In hand. D- that doesn't go down <laughs> um, and not wake up to the worst hangover of my entire life the next day. Let's yeah, hope that those things all happen. I'm living on the edge. I'm not taking Monday off. So uh, we'll wow, see. Wow, that's a mistake either way. I know. Actually. I know. Well, I'm, we're going to we're going on the baby moon the Thursday after, so I would hate to take Monday off. No, you wouldn't. Then, you would love to do that. That sounds great. That makes I would for love a to, short week. I would love to, but work. Work work exists. It's a thing. Eh. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone, and as always, go Niners. <laughs>